Hi, my name is John. And my name's Chris. And, and this, this is Stay on, on Target. Hey, everybody, welcome to Stay on Target. We are your hosts. You can find us online at stayontargetpodcast.com. That's right, John. This week, we are talking about Call of Duty Warzone. That's right. It's, there's, like, it's not just Warzone. We've talked about Warzone before, but this yeah. is like they added in a special Easter egg yeah. that you had to do all sorts of amazing steps. Totally. And I'm just hyping us up because like we were really good at it, Chris. Yes. We were, yeah, we were totally really good at it. And uh, we'll talk about that later. It is a multi-step kind of secret That's right. Easter egg thing with a reward. Um, we'll tell you how to do it if you want to know how to do it. That's right. I had flashbacks and, uh, all the way back to uh, like Call of Duty Zombies from back yeah, in the dude. day, like way back in the day. For sure. It was uh, um, it was a fun one. And uh, yeah, so we'll talk about that a little bit later. I don't want to get too far into it. Um, and but we also have uh, we have that. And we have a smattering of news. There's not a whole lot that happened this week, but we have some news. We always say, like, we don't have much to talk about, and then we talk for, like, two hours. So, like, we'll see That's what right. ends up happening this time. Um, I mean, we'll, uh, the, the other thing is, like, th- this is, like, while it's not, like, a bunch of, like, big news, it is just, like, things that, like, we've texted about this week. And like, oh, I'm interested about this. This is interesting. This is a fun fact thing. You know, so, yes, there's some, some really <laughs> totally. interesting things in here. Yeah. Um, but before we get to that, John, what have you been up to this week? So this week, in addition to Warzone wrapping up the whole season there, getting whatever contracts out of the way that are, are going to go away. So uh, there was a, a couple of things that I uh, that I did on, on Warzone where I was like, oh, I want that, that gun skin. And so I Oh, would, yeah. Did you, you know, do that? You were talking about doing uh, spec ops. I, I did some spec ops stuff in order to get – like I had to unlock a specific operator. Did you get it? Um, I did. I did. It took me. It took me like a couple of tries with randoms because it was just some morning. I was. I was awake at like five a.m. or something ridiculous, and uh, and I was like, well, let me just like hop in, see how easy it is. And uh, it was not easy. I I failed immediately the first time, uh, like within sec, like within minutes, five five minutes. And uh, and so I looked looked up a a, a guide. Once I had the guide, I was like, okay, this is the the steps are easy. It's just unclear, like it's not communicated well what you have to do in certain sections of it. Um, and so what that one was, like you drop in and uh, go go infiltrate the military base, and you have to search the computer for the manifest, which gives you the numbers of uh, three different boxes in three different areas that you have to mark for destruction. And so you have to find those boxes out while you're fighting off waves and waves upon I- of enemies. Um, but the thing that happened was whenever I actually got into it the second time, like, and actually did it, actually completed it. So spoilers, I actually completed it. Um, my, the other teammates, no idea what was going on. Like the, the randoms that I had in there, no clue what was, what was happening. Uh, similar to I was the first time, but what I did was like, we drove up there. We, we hacked all the stuff. I ran around like, and marked the things that entire squad wiped. Like they, they all went down, they died, they rage quit. Okay, and I'm just staying alive at a certain point within this process and marking boxes, like still doing the stuff. I'm like, maybe I can complete it on my own. And then the uh, Activision uh, gods smiled upon me and filled in the rest of my team mid-match with uh, with three people that were willing to take instruction. And nice. uh, and I was able to like guide them to all of the right steps. And we got on the you know got it all marked. 
took out all the enemies, got in the chopper, flew away. I got the operator and was able to continue on my my quest for a specific gun skin um, via a uh, one of the other quest lines in multiplayer or whatever. So which uh, which operator did you unlock? Uh, Golem is the name of the operator. Is that one of the? Uh... Uh, I can't even remember the 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 good guys or the bad guys. Uh, good guys. Um, okay. And it's a. It's I a, feel like there's there's way too many operators on that side and not enough on the other there's side. There's way too many that look cool on that yes. side. Um, yes. Like there's there's there's, like a, there's the equal on number the side. on both sides. But like I I never like any of the other other like the the bad side skins. It's like Ugh. yeah. And I mean in in multiplayer you get you're fifty percent of the time you're the other team too. So right. it's like I just I just wish. Someone other than than uh, Igor, you know, was available yeah. on the other side. But Igor's jacket, Chris, it's gorgeous. Uh, so what? Uh, did, so you you end up getting this gun? Um, I is did. It, is I, it worth? Is it worth going after? Like, should I go after this? Should our audience go after this gun? What I gun mean, is it? like, unless you have the time, like, because there's a lot of things you have to do after that step where it's like, oh, well, do you have to um, eliminate a certain number of people with hip fire uh, kills in with the SMG? I mean, that feels that feels easy. And uh, and so basically, I just queued into. Um, what is it a shipment 24 7 so like tiny little map where it's just yeah. just chaos all the time yeah run out and try to get one or two kills before you you die and respawn and then i don't know man like it, it was it's a fun what, time what gun like, is it? you haven't told me what gun it is oh it's an mp5 it's an mp5 skin okay um, and it's really fun like i uh, i enjoyed the process of getting it as well because I did it after we got the special uh, blueprint for the gun in uh, in Warzone, which yeah. we'll talk about later. But I was using that weapon, and that weapon just is amazing. Um, was this a skin, or was this a? Uh, it's a was, blueprint. This is a blueprint. Okay. Yeah, and, but I've unlocked basically everything on my MP5, so it's like I could rebuild with the attachments um, the same the same gun, but yeah. it looks cool. So like that's the part of it. Where that's I was what like, I, was, mm. I was about to ask. Like, what made you want to go after this one specific? thing yeah i mean it's just and that's a gun that i use frequently and so it's like having those options of like cosmetics you know is is a good good you know i yeah. i enjoy having those options where it's like oh what do i want this gray scope or do i want a black scope or whatever and so you just yeah. choose which one you want um the other thing i did this week chris is something that like i've so Desmond loves to watch uh, like uh, the musical sections of like Disney movies and stuff like that. So we've been watching YouTube on on Disney's like Disney Music Vivo or whatever. They have the music video for um, uh, the Aladdin song um, with the genie, like where where it's the uh, oh, friend nice. like me. Uh... Yeah. And so we've been watching the Will Smith version of that, and I was like, well, dude, we, we just need to watch the movie. And so this week, Catherine and I, we watched the movie, uh, the full-on oh, Aladdin movie. We hadn't seen it yet. Like, it was this, this big, like, uh, it, it, like, came out whenever, like, Desmond's, like, something was going on where we didn't actually get out to the theaters to see it. Like, and then we also didn't watch it immediately, like, whenever it came to, to theater. And, dude, it is great. I know. I yeah, really I, enjoyed it. <laughs> I know. I agree. Like, um, so... This this was probably that was probably the first. Uh, what, there's been one since then, right? What was the a oh, Lion King? <sighs> the Lion right? King, yeah. Has there been another one since then? I don't think so. Not since Lion so, King. Uh, like, so <laughs> of the live actions, yeah. Probably, I mean, the Aladdin is honestly probably my favorite, only because it's the one that I have rewatched the most. Yeah. Of, I mean, I, I only like three of them. I only, I only like Jungle Book, 
uh, Lion King and Aladdin, but the only one I've rewatched is uh, uh, multiple times is Aladdin. Have because you it's just seen, it's just done so well. Have you seen Cinderella? Uh, yes. I don't remember liking it though. Okay. See, that was you know that's another one I'd where I was like, oh, I, li- I like that one. I, I like that one uh, for uh, similar reasons to the the reasons that I like this one a lot. Um, I do think this one that was is, a long time ago is better than that one. Yeah, that one was like the first one. That was like the first live action remake that they did, and it wasn't really even like a thing. It was just like we're remaking Cinderella with you know live action. Yeah. It wasn't like this is a, the start of the, all of the movies being remade in live action. You know, that's not what it was billed as or what yeah. people knew it as at the time. But it made money, and so Disney was like, let's do all of them. Um, yeah. So I mean, Aladdin is awesome. Like I, I, I w- had hesitations about the whole like, okay, Will Smith being the genie, but Will Smith is a great genie. Like he's so good in well, that role. And that's the thing. Like <clears throat> the thing that I like about it is it's close enough to. He did a great job of making it close enough to Robin Williams' genie, but like he still made it his own. Yeah. And that was the key. Where like you can't just try to be Robin Williams because no one can be Robin Williams. Right. And no one wants you to be Robin Williams. Um, and so like, I feel like he was able to, to walk that line and, uh, make that role his own in a way that still felt true to the original. For sure. And like, you know, the fact that like they, that's the part of it that I think they nailed where it's like, okay, this is like, they hit the main story beats, the important story beats of Aladdin, but then they leaned into the, the cast and they leaned into like the, the, the way that, they filled in these gaps basically oh they hit the main points but like the way you get there is just just barely slightly off or just barely slightly like different enough to where it's like oh the the dynamic between genie and uh and aladdin shines through really well like where it's like oh man they have such a good uh back and forth like a rapport with each other um the chemistry between jasmine and aladdin like is like really good like the fact that like man you just buy into their their story the fact that they like like made Jafar like they had this kind of backstory with him that like you buy into where it's like he's similar to Aladdin and and he's just like made these other choices like this essentially like alternate version of uh, Aladdin in in uh, in some other ways and uh, and I don't know man I just I really enjoyed it the casting was really good I thought the uh, the, the music was great and the dancing was really good the new songs that they added uh, particularly Jasmine's is like really impactful uh, whenever that that finally like lands and everything I. I don't know. There's very few things that I that I don't like about the the Aladdin remake. Um, yeah, I even Guy really Ritchie like, a... like got some like cool cool Guy Ritchie things in there, like where it's like you know some slow mo things. Um, particularly, there was a there's in one of the songs he does a thing. Um, it's the one. Uh, uh, what's it, what's it called? Uh, it's the song where where basically Aladdin is taking Jasmine through the city like they're trying to escape. I can't remember what it's called. It's called One Jump Ahead, um, where it's the uh, gotta uh, gotta eat to live, gotta steal to eat. That song. Um, the Guy Ritchie like does some things within that choreographed sequence where it's they're running in slow mo, but he's singing in in uh, in regular speed. So like yeah. the way they would have had to shoot that is like he's singing fast. In order right. to whenever they slow it down, it's right. And then he sped up certain aspects of it. And so like he would have seen it slow. And then whenever they play it back, it's, you know, so there's some really unique things like as far as like Guy Ritchie-esque kind of uh, sequences within the movie as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really like it. I like, I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not as, I'm, I can't remember all the, like, all the 
I don't. I think there was just that one new song, which I, right. again, that's my least favorite part of you know like the of this movie and of Beauty and the Beast. It was just like okay, it's just like it's not a, the song isn't as good uh, as the others, and it just feels like it comes out of nowhere. And it like you know just from a storytelling standpoint, it's just kind of like this weird offshoot that literally like only makes sense because it feels like you shoehorned it in. Same kind of thing with like the Broadway like additions to the. Uh, um, and I don't even know, like, I don't know, is Aladdin on Broadway? That it, did this song come, was it made for this movie, or, did, or is it a part of a uh, I don't know if this song is is specifically from the Broadway uh, thing, but I knew, know that there is a Broadway uh, is there? version of it, and it has more songs than even this this one does. Like Weird. There, yeah, there are some nuts. people who love the Broadway version of it, where they were like, oh, man, they didn't even do this song, or like whatever. So like <laughs> there, there, are, there are other songs in the Broadway version as well. So Interesting. But like overall, dude, uh, yeah, like, I mean, it makes me excited for i mean i think that they're starting to get their groove they understand i think now like okay these are the things if you just make a good movie you're not trying to like just like be right weird and uh like I don't know, it just felt like they were making arbitrary decisions before now it feels like they're being very intentional with the decisions they're making yeah and kind of like letting the filmmakers do their thing like mm-hmm. you said and like casting the right people you know like one of the problems with for instance beauty and the beast is like you cast you cast somebody who needed auto to be auto-tuned like crazy mm-hmm. sorry that sucks you know yeah. and uh and so i think they're they're starting to um do a better job of of that overall, and it makes me excited for Mulan. I hopefully later this year. I don't know. Yeah. Whenever that ends up, ends up coming out, whenever it comes out. Um, the other although thing, I don't like, know if that's going to have as much singing. Do you know? I don't think it has almost like if I if I'm I don't reading the way that they've musical. talked about it. Like I, I think that it's not going to have any singing almost at all. Where like the songs are there, but they're yeah it. And that one's interesting, as well as um, the Rousseau brothers were like uh, p- put put on uh, some movie of theirs, uh, a r- live action remake, and like their version, uh, like where people were asking them about like, the music, and they're like, "Well, you we mean can't it's say." Come out? Yeah, it's like it's, it's they're they're like on the next one or whatever. Like where so they have the the ones that are in production right now, which is I think the Little Mermaid's in production right now, and uh, there's one other one's in production. Like they basically stopped shooting them in or you know after uh, the pandemic or whatever, and so but the Rousseau brothers are the next one and it's a musical one. I can't remember what it, what it was reported to be, but the Rousseau brothers like ha- were asked about, Hey, is this going to be a musical? And they're like, well, we don't know if it's actually going to be a musical yet. Can't say that yet, but weird. We can say that music is very important to this movie and you know, <laughs> we're going to nail it basically is what, what they, you know, they said. And I was like, huh, interesting, weird. So, I don't know, man. It better not be Little Mermaid because that's my favorite music in all of the Disney animation movies. No, I think Little Mermaid, I think Little Mermaid will be be a musical and that'll be straightforward, you know, on on those, that side of things. But, uh, I can't remember what it was. I'll look it up. Uh, But, that's what I've been, you know, that that movie surprised me um, because, like, there were so many things about it where I was just like, I don't know, I didn't hear a ton about it after it came out, other than you being like, oh, it was really good. It was, it was good. Yeah. And uh, and then, you know, whenever, whenever we watched it, like, I, basically, whenever I watched the Will Smith version of uh, Friend Like Me, I was like, dude, I actually really enjoy it. I was like, it's different. It's real yeah. different. But I really enjoy, like, where they went with it, um, embracing the the Will Smith-ness of it. And they were like, just kind of let let him do his, his Will Smith thing to it. And, like, that was awesome. That was a great call. Um, yeah, and then so, my... okay. yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say my favorite part uh, of that was afterwards when he's like, but uh, um, how do I, you know, how do I do this? He's like, you seriously, I'd literally just, 
That was the whole, what the whole song was. Yeah, he's like, he's like, uh, uh, obviously you can't think and sing or think think and dance at the same time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> the uh, I also loved like the joke beforehand, like where where he goes into it, but like in a, as a smaller scale, and then you know ramps it up or whatever. I thought that was hilarious. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I really enjoyed it, dude. It was a it was a it was a good time. I think that they kept the things that were very important uh, to that story being that story, and then they made choices that I really appreciated with the things that were different or the things that were like, well, obviously like, again, you don't have Robin Williams. So we have this cast, let's, let's play to their strengths. And so I thought that was a really good, really good way to go. Also, uh, Aladdin, that, that actor can dance, dude. (laughs) Mena Masoud, uh, can dance, dude. He is, he is, uh, if that was him, unless it was a double, it could be a double, you know, never know movie magic, but, uh, whoever they had dancing, uh, for Aladdin was, uh, was a, a, some quick feet. I enjoyed it. Um, let me see. So what have you been up to this week, Chris? <laughs> I'll try to keep this short because we're 18 minutes in. Oh, we yeah. got to cut this down in the future. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, the only thing I'll talk about uh, is I've been putting together, uh, so for um, my birthday back in December, Didi got me a Lego set, a friend's Lego set. And so I've been working on putting that together. It's like this. It's, it's, uh, let me see if I can tell. I, I can't tell from across the room. It's like it's a lot of pieces. Um, it's it's been taking it's taken me like multiple nights of working for like an hour and a half at a time mm. to uh, to put this thing together. And it's the coffee shop, the friends' coffee shop. That's awesome. And uh, it's really really cool. Like it's uh, it's fun putting it together because um, I love the show. Yeah. And because whenever we went out to uh, Warner Brothers Studios, did the studio tour there in uh, in L.A. a couple of years back, they had the Friends set there mm. on the, the back lot, like built out, and you could stand on, in the coffee shop and sit on the couch. Um, so, it's, I don't know, it's just cool to, to build, like, that iconic thing. It makes me want something like, you know, Jerry's apartment from Seinfeld or mm. something, or other, actually just, like, other tv show locations like it would be cool to have the diner from bob's burgers and build Mm. that or you know like um the uh uh i'm trying to spongebob's like house from bikini bottom the crusty crab yeah Yeah, that'd be super cool so anyway that's 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 all that's all i'll say that i've been up to that's that's been the the main thing other than just like watching random movies and uh yeah does it feel, you know, it's like whenever you sat on the Lego couch, does it feel the same as the regular couch does? You know? Well, I mean, it's too small to sit on the Lego couch, but <laughs> I also assume it wouldn't. No. Um, <laughs> looked it up. The Rousseau brothers are, are doing Hercules. Okay. Um, oh, man. I love the music in Hercules. I know, man. Hercules. Oh, dude. He's, it's so good. Anyway, uh, I, I I appreciate the fact that like Hercules is basically like a superhero. So it's like you could see how the Russo brothers would, would do well with that. But I yeah. really do hope that it it, uh, it embraces the music and, and is basically a musical. Like, I mean, I don't see how you can have that music in there without it being basically right. straight up a musical. Totally. Like, go, you know, oh, dude, so good. Go the distance, yeah. like oh my gosh! Yeah, I know. Go the distance is one of my favorite. So you need, and this is the thing: if you do the go the distance, you have to bring back Michael Bolton, hundred percent. I'm sorry, you cannot have it without him, dude. I mean, and honestly, why not just double down on it? Have him and Lonely Island. Just... Oh my goodness, <laughs> that'd be even better. Yeah. If anyone hasn't heard the uh, the the Lonely Island Michael Bolton kind of team up, uh, you guys you should go listen to it right now. Yeah. Um. But yeah, dude. I I I don't know. We'll see how that one turn like turns out. You know, it's obviously like that's a 
all of these movies are very like gr- good movies and good stories. So it's like you. It's hard to not do them, you know, well. And so it's it comes down to those <laughs> small choices, like where it's like, oh, the cast. Oh, like the I don't the, know. I don't know. I, I, I think it makes it harder, dude. I think it's harder maybe. to do them well. Yeah, maybe. They're that, they're that iconic. They're that well-known. They're that well-remembered. And people have, like, very strong attachments and emotions connected to them. That's where I feel like, man, it's real easy to get off the rails here and uh, make something that people don't like true true yeah you're right and uh, those expectations hard to live up to totally all right chris well we are going to be talking about more war zone a little bit later but we've got some news all right the news yes um so the we're going to run through a couple of things the first thing is uh actually real so uh i'll say that (laughs) The other ones are completely fabricated. Uh, not fabricated. They're not. Con- they're nothing concrete. Right. Uh, um, which uh, the first one? Oh, that's 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 all we said we were going to do. Right now, I'm forgetting what we said we were going to do for news. Um, yes. So, are you talking about Star Wars? The Star Wars thing? Yes, we're talking about Star Wars. Okay. All right, Star Wars: <laughs> Tales from the Galaxy's Edge VR experience has been announced for 2020. This is from IGN, and it's written by Adam Bankhurst, ILM. Lab, the studio behind Vader Immortal, a Star Wars VR series, which I have yet to finish, by the way. It's, I played it at Fulton's, and uh, I have not been back over, um, understandably, to finish this game. I don't even know if the last episode's out, but whatever. We'll I, get to that later. Yes, I believe it is. I believe that all the episodes are out now. Well, now I'm just bummed. More details. Well, wait, wait, wait. Hang on, hang on. Well, hang on. I'm going to click on this... Um, Forget the IGN article. I'm going to go straight to StarWars.com. Just go straight to the source, Chris. Straight to the source. All right. So announcing Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge, a new VR experience coming later this year. Get ready for an adventure on the planet of Batuu in stunning virtual reality. Today, ILM Lab, Lucasfilm's award-winning immersive entertainment studio, announced that it is developing Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge, a new action-adventure virtual reality experience in collaboration with Oculus Studios. Coming later this year, the experience connects to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, the epic new land at Disneyland Resort in California, and Walt Disney World Resort in Florida. We are so excited for fans to step into Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge later this year, said Vicki Dobbs Beck, ILM Lab Executive in Charge. This action-packed adventure not only speaks to the promise of connected and complementary experiences by extending the lore around Black Spire Outpost, it represents another meaningful step in ILM Lab's Quests to transition from storytelling, one-way communication to story living, <laughs> where you're inside a world making consequential choices that drive your experience forward. <laughs> that was a crazy. I love it. Star Wars: Tales from the Galaxy's Edge takes place uh, taking place between Star Wars: The Last Jedi and Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker, and set on the outskirts of Batuu's Black Spire outpost of Star Wars: Galaxy's Edge, will give players the, the opportunity to live their own adventure and explore part of a galaxy far, far away in virtual reality. The original story will feature both new and iconic characters from the Star Wars Galaxy's e- wait, Star Wars Galaxy with multiple styles of gameplay and difficulty settings to accommodate a wide variety of players. This is like listening to someone who doesn't understand video games explain video games. From Star Wars fans to VR gamers alike, check out the official logo and concept art by Chris Voy from the experience below. Uh, looks pretty normal. Yeah, I was about to say it, it, it looks it looks very like a Star Wars logo. Yeah. The 
<laughs> anyway, the rich storytelling in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge has been has re- redefined what a Disney park experience can be. And, wait, can you even hear me anymore? My microphone just fell. I mean, I, I can hear you. Okay, yes. weird. Um, and we are thrilled fans will have an opportunity to discover new stories, meet new characters, and explore new regions of the planet Batuu in Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge, said Scott Tobridge, Walt Disney Imagineering creative executive. Now our guests can immerse themselves in these stories both inside and outside our parks. Ooh. I'm excited so, I mean, about this. I mean, that sounds, uh, it sounds cool. I mean, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what story living means. I don't either. And what they, what they really mean by that. I don't either. And my thing is also with like, is it, it what type of experience? Because like we have VR experiences that kind of uh, land on, on, I will say like three different categories, right? So we have some VR experiences that are quite clearly like, this is just an experience. We're like, oh, you stand here and experience something happening around you, right? And you just kind of observe it. You interact with it in like some cursory ways, but then you don't like really... It's not a game, per se. Then there are the games. There are the ones where it's like, oh, man, I'm running around here taking out robots or, or even like super hot where it's like you're, you know, you're dodging bullets and, and, and doing the VR thing with that. Um, and then there's like the third category, which is like, okay, this is an environment that you can run around in basically and like interact with in those ways where it's not like anything's ha- like it's not like something's just happening and you're watching it happen you're definitely interacting with things but it's really not a game necessarily either so like i'm curious like where this one will fall on that spectrum um because like the thing that interests me about it is that I've read the book about the Galaxy's Edge, uh, the the Black Spire Outpost that happens between uh, the Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, and I'm very intrigued by by that story. That story was awesome. It was a really good time. It's called, uh, I believe it's called Galaxy's Edge. Just I think that's what it's called. Just straight up, just Galaxy. Anyway, the uh, you can look up that 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 novel and and read it. And then I've been to the park, obviously, and like ridden, rode the rides and things like that. There's some really cool things that that happen from a Star Wars storytelling perspective, lore perspective that happen in that park where it's like this is clearly within this time frame. And so I'm curious, like, how does this expand on that and and potentially like connect it even more so with uh, Rise of Skywalker? Like, does that happen? Is that something that they're doing here? So I, that's the reason why I'm like, man, I, I hope. I hope it does. I hope it like really expands on on what I have enjoyed about uh, the Black Spire Outpost um, at Galaxy's Edge. But like, it just from this press release, I don't necessarily get very much information. Like you said, it feels like yeah. they're pitching this. T- I mean, obviously, like VR is kind of like it's a very niche market. It's a niche market that's not necessarily filled with just video gamers like it's it's not just gamers like there's a lot of people who are just interested in the tech or who are who are more just like um into the 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 real world connection of it um less so about video gaming um so it is kind of does seem like it is pitched at uh, this press release is pitched at people that like don't understand video games at all or something um but i don't know i'm excited yeah uh it'll be interesting i have no idea what that's going to be. The uh, Vader Immortal thing uh, that they also worked on, and that was cool. I played, you know, the first episode of that, and that mm. was, I, I liked that a lot. I mean, uh, it, that's the first time where I was really like, man, this is this is the kind of stuff that if you were putting out this quality of games mm-hmm. on a regular basis, that would make me get a VR headset. Yeah. 
Uh, and yeah. whereas before that, it's just like it, even super hot, you know, I mean, like it's great, but it's not worth, uh, you know, a $400 investment right. in, a, in a headset that, but this, something like this, and if they keep, you know, both ILM Lab and other companies, if they keep putting out the quality games with stories like this, that's really what I want to play. Right, right. Agreed. Um, this next piece, this is kind of a, uh, uh, a rumor. Uh, this is from Bloomberg, written by Jason Schreier and Takashi Mokuzuki. Uh, Sony is planning a PS5 conference for as early as next week. Ooh. Sony Corp is planning a digital event to showcase games for its next-generation PlayStation 5 console that may take place as early as next week, according to people with direct knowledge of the matter. The virtual event could be held June 3rd, which would be Wednesday, though some people also cautioned that plans have been in flux and that the date may change. Other PlayStation 5 events may follow in the coming weeks and months, and Sony is not expected to reveal every essential detail on the console during its first presentation. A Sony spokesperson declined to comment. The company's shares were largely unchanged in early Thursday trading in Tokyo. The Japanese tech giant has only let out a trickle of information on the PlayStation 5 so far, which the company says remains on track for release this holiday season, despite the COVID-19 pandemic. Chief Executive Officer... Kenichiro Yoshida said earlier this month that Sony will soon be announcing a strong lineup of PS5 games. June is traditionally highlighted by the biggest games industry conference, E3, in Los Angeles, but that was canceled this year due to the spread of the virus. In response, Sony and many games publishers are refashioning their promotional plans around streamed online presentations. While only a small circle within Sony are privy to the appearance of the PS5 console, the controller has been shared with the outside developers and fearing... Uh, and fearing it wouldn't be able to control leaks, the company made it public in early April. Um, yeah, Fans have been eager to hear about the lineup of video games that will launch alongside the console, and later, Microsoft Corp., Sony's most direct rival in the console wars, has put out regular streams and updates about the upcoming Xbox Series X, which is also planned for a re release this fall. So, uh, you think they're going to do it? I think that this is how it will happen, like, whenever it happens. Like, it seems like it, it feels like over there at Sony that things are so in flux. Yeah. That, like, we, like, the controller thing snuck up on him, it feels like, and that's what all the reports are, is that, like, oh, oh wow, we're sending this to developers next week? Well, we better, we better announce it to the public because it's going to get leaked. Um, and then this event feels like it's like, oh, man, well, we, we got to say something soon. Why don't we just say let's talk about these games? Oh wait, those games aren't quite quite ready to show. What about? Uh, can we get them ready by next week? You know, it just feels like that's kind of like what we're dealing with. So I think it'll happen on very short notice. And so I feel like this is the closest that we've come in recent memory to a console launch without knowing almost anything about it um the only thing i can think of is like what was it the sega sega saturn or whatever where they literally announced it and like we're like and it's available now you know because they could back in the day yeah. um sneak it to I mean, the only thing though we don't know is what it looks like in the games and i i, I feel like the the games that's not a new thing because like the thing that's surprising to me is that whenever playstation pulled out of e3 which i'm mm -hmm. trying to i'm trying to look it up but e3 was gonna be uh, not next week, but the week after, yeah. the week of the eighth, I right. believe. And so, like, they pulled out of E three, but also were very uh, firm that we are not going to do anything around E three. Yeah, we're not we're programming not gonna around E three. Yeah, we're not going to do a stream. We're not going to do anything. 
But now, like this, if if this is true, and if this comes out, and then, again, this is just rumor. I mean, anybody mm-hmm. could have written this. I mean, Jason Schreier, yeah, he has good sources. But again, anybody could have said this. Um, that's why we normally don't talk about rumors on yeah. Stay on Target. But uh, this is big enough to talk about it. But it's like if they have this conference next week, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's basically E three, like. I don't know. It just seems crazy. Like, and again, I think just things are like in flux. Yeah. Like, we really just want to see. The, I mean, the, the thing that they have, you know, the thing that they can stand on is, hey, we saw Microsoft go first and show off games, and we saw their kind of misstep, and then they came out. We talked about, you know, the uh, the Unreal Engine right. Five demo de- yeah. uh, tech demo, and. So they kind of got some points there, and they can come out and like actually double double down on that if they want to, and like, right. hey, this is this is what our first party games are going to look like. You know, we know Microsoft is coming out with the first party uh, stream sometime in July. We're going to come out and just beat them to it. Like the thing that will be interesting to me, John, is if they announce a price. See, that's I feel the, like they won't. That's the that's the match of chicken that we're playing. Like we're with, like Microsoft and both Microsoft and Sony feel like neither one wants to announce the price first, yeah. and especially like within this where uh, the uh, the the sources are saying that there's going to be multiple streams, like and multiple totally. announce. Like there's there's no way they lead with the price. They're going to no. lead with the thing that they are strongest at, which is games and. I feel like they're going to dominate the conversation just based purely on those games and then potentially like come out with a price. I don't know the next time, maybe in July, maybe after, uh, after Microsoft, you know, has their next big couple of streams and, and basically hope that Microsoft, you know, blinks first and gives you the price. I also wonder if like, so I'm thinking of like call of duty specifically, I'm sure they still have. I mean, they we know they still have their their marketing deal with Sony. We don't know about for the PS5. Uh, right. Let me sorry. Let, let me walk that back a little bit. We know that they currently still have for like PS4 and the current like uh, um, uh, Call of Duty games. They have sure. that deal. Um, I wonder if there are third party developers like Activision who have these marketing deals where they're like, hey, you know, we've got a we we're gonna show things whenever Sony releases something. We're gonna show some stuff, um, and they're ready to show things. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, there could be external pressure from out, uh, third party developers for Sony slash Microsoft to show things Definitely. because hey, I mean, it's time. I guess whenever whenever they decided to skip E three, I remember having the conversation with you and saying like it feels like kind of a disservice to their third party partners yeah. for them not to have like a big conference because it seems like that would be uh, something that they would have signed. Uh, oh well, sure we're partnering with you for this much marketing dollars and this much time on your uh, platform or like whatever, you know, because yeah. like, Sony gets a lot out of that by stamping the PlayStation logo at the beginning of every commercial of uh, call of duty. Right. And then call of duty doesn't get a, t- like they get money out of it. Um, and then potentially like time on an E3 stage. But if there's is no E3 stage, I don't know. Like you, th- you'd think that they would, they would be, um, pushing to to have some sort of uh megaphone announcement about their third party partners. Yeah. It was interesting. We'll see. I mean, it, it kind of surprises me like this when did the story come out yesterday? Yeah. I mean, it feels weird that Sony would 
have a conference, you know, and I mean, without at least giving people a week's notice, you know, at this point, mm-hmm. I, like, I would, it, it would surprise me if it happens next week. I could see like the week after, but like, I mean, you got to give people enough time to, to, to plan around it a little, at least, you know, um, yeah. you kind of want, you want some immediate buzz out there. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're right. You know, and it's it, the, the thing I think that, that bit them last time with Sony and whenever they announced the, the talk with GDC, we're like, Oh, we're going to unveil the next generation of gaming with a PS five under the hood stuff. They put that out like the day before it was released. Like I talk the, the strange Mark Cern talk in front of the, in front of the cardboard cutout people. Um, like that, that talk, like they, they hyped it a little bit and I feel like they, they, they hyped it too much to the point where like people were like, what is this? Whenever they watched it. And, uh, and so I feel like this time they may like, if, if they don't announce it a couple days earlier or whatever, they might be in danger of under hyping, you know, it's like, that's the firmly the side that I would try to live on if I was, was Sony. But at the same time, it, seems like if you're going to reveal games if you're going to have a big big reveal of some sort you'd want everybody's eyes on it and you'd want as many people in that same day as possible to know that this thing is going to happen so i don't know man we'll see uh last piece of rumor news yes um so this is uh this is from this is from ign this is um suicide squad director's cut would be easy to complete says David Ayer. This is by Joseph Noop. Uh, Suicide Squad director David Ayer says that a director's cut of his DC Universe movie would be easy to complete. The comment stands in contrast to the news of the infamous Snyder Cut of Justice League releasing in 2021, which is costing between 20 and $30 million. Ayer made the comments in a tweet Monday responding to a Collider editor asking why DC didn't release his cut of Suicide Squad on a service like HBO Max. Quote, that's a good question. My cut would be easy to complete. It would be incredibly cathartic for me. It's exhausting getting your ass kicked for a film that got the Edward Scissorhands treatment. The film I made has never been seen. End quote. Ayer made similar comments about other footage cut from or left in Suicide Squad. When asked about a scene from a trailer featuring Katana's eyes being suddenly filled with a murky black liquid, Ayer said he'd filmed a scene where Enchantress uses a tendril to take over Katana and attack her allies. Ayer also seemingly criticized the cuts that were made to Suicide Squad for ignoring some of the fundamentals of good storytelling and editing. Quote, good screenwriting means complete arcs culminating with some kind of closure for each main character. It's not rocket science. When you cut the joists, the building sags, end quote. Ayer says that the only battle I won, uh, quote, the only, quote, battle I won was keeping a, in a bit where character Diablo references he's killed women and children. Um, quote, it was the only battle I won. <laughs> Decision makers were, al- were allergic to Diablo killing his family. Look at my films. Death, guilt, redemption, and em- emancipation from toxic relationships are themes I explore as a filmmaker. The human soul is beautiful and complex. End quote. Ayer added that an impressive shot of Enchantress's hand gripping June Moon and transforming her was his idea, and that he had more footage fleshing out their relationship. With, um... With the news of Zack Snyder's cut of Justice League being revived, some DC fans have taken to calling for a similar director's cut of Suicide Squad, which was originally supposed to end with a different villain and a much bigger Justice League connection. Hmm. Ayer appears to still hold some complicated feelings on the matter, given how open he's been to commenting on the difficult process of getting Suicide Squad to theaters. 
Ayer responded to fan questions about the cut footage of Jared Leto's Joker, saying that his heart breaks for the actor, that much of his work never made it into the theatrical release. Leto himself said in 2016 that a large amount of Joker footage never made it into the film. Some fans have since started the hashtag, hashtag release the Ayer cut, a direct parallel to the hashtag release the Snyder cut that eventually got its way. It's possible that a similar fan movement may get its way as well. Um, dude, I would be all for this. Yeah, why like, not? Like, if you're, if again, if you're gonna do the Snyder cut thing, like, why yeah. not? And now you have a platform where it can live and and hopefully make you money. It's <laughs> yeah. Well, the crazy thing is, so I was looking back at the, and I don't have the numbers in front of me anymore, but I, I got curious this week. I, I like looked back at the box office for the DC movies. Okay, mm-hmm. so. Uh, Man of Steel performed well. Batman versus Superman performed even better. Yeah. Made like you know like six hundred gross. I think six hundred and fifty million dollars or something like that. Yep. Um, and uh, sometime between that point and whenever Suicide Squad came out, it was like it was like because Wonder Woman I think was in between there. Or no, mm-hmm. Wonder Woman was after Suicide was Squad, after. wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, let me look at the timeline. Let me yeah, look, look, look that up. But sometime between um, whenever Batman vs. Superman came out and Suicide Squad came out, it seems like uh, Warner Brothers got cold feet on the whole darker in tone universe that Zack Snyder was trying to build and, mm. uh, and decided to pivot and try to go more Marvel. And so that's how you get like the goofy kind of funny stuff, which I think it would have been funny either way because of like the characters. But that's why you get that weird, you know, that, that more like lighthearted tone that they're trying to go for in the front mm-hmm. half of of Suicide Squad. But then like the back half is different and weird. Um, yeah. It also makes me wonder, like, if because Enchantress is the final villain in Suicide Squad, who's the villain in Ayer's cut of of Suicide Squad? It's a good question. Who I did also they think film? Like- we talked about um, the fact that, like, that, that Suicide in the review of Suicide Squad, if you go back and listen to our review, we talked about how, like, it felt super out of order from a storytelling perspective. Oh, totally. Yes. Um, where it's like, well, if you took this, this chunk of the movie out from the end and put it at the beginning, it would have made this thing pay off better. And it would have, like, had the. And so, like, we kind of, like, just rearranged it, like, in as the podcast is there and been like, it would have been better if it was this way. And this tells me that, like, it was. Uh, essentially a different movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, sound, it sounds like it was basically just disassembled yeah. and then put back, put back together a different way. Yeah, some Frankenstein and, uh, monster of, uh, of a yeah. movie. Uh, which just really sucks, you know? And then, like, and then, so then uh, Wonder Woman actually, like, I think that that probably already had the tone that they wanted. Yeah. And so they, they largely left that alone, it seems like. Yeah, and the reports, like, from, like, Gal Gadot and Patty Jenkins about that movie have always been that, like, hey, this was the movie we wanted. Like, this is a dream movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So they left that one alone. But then, then whenever, uh, Su- uh, Justice League came out, just butchered that thing. We talked about that mm-hmm. last week. Um, I mean, and so and now, and this now way, seems, Chris, if this well, one, if, if Suicide Squad was supposed to tie into the larger DC universe, that would be the reason why. 
What? That both Justice League, this like culmination of all of these like DC things, as well as Suicide Squad, which is supposed to like tie in to the DC universe. Like, if they changed fundamentally what they wanted the DC universe to look like, somehow both of these movies would just have gotten completely stripped down and then repackaged together some other. Yeah, way. I don't even know if they like they wanted it to look different. I think they wanted the tone to be different. You know, yeah. like because I mean, I mean, yeah, yes, I mean, like it or not, Zack Snyder's version of this is very dark and like but but again like it's it kind of goes to my point and i've i kind of talked about several times with these properties but also like star wars if you're not going to let the director make the movie that he wants to make then why hire that director like why hire david ayer if you're going to take like you're you, you're going to take the movie that he shot and created and then you're going to make something completely different then then don't hire the guy mm-hmm. you direct your own movie like it's insane to think that that's a good creative process, right? And, and and like, I think like more so than the actual like content of like okay, it's these characters doing this thing. I think more they're trying to fix in Suicide Squad and Justice League, uh, fix quote unquote is the tone, and that's why you get the stupid goofy like like weird added humor in Justice League that comes out of nowhere that seems super inconsistent with the characters that we've known up to this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how you get like, they brought in that, you know, we've talked about a couple times, but they, they've brought in that trailer house um, to make the front half of Suicide Squad more funny and fun. And like, all that's great. But again, if you're not like, if that's not the vision that you have from the beginning, mm-hmm. man, it's gonna be real hard to make that land on the back end. Well, and it's it's very true that it's been hard to make that land on the back end. Like, I mean, before these two movies, I feel like that hasn't been done before. Like, it's not been done where it's like, oh, let's completely like, re-edit this thing and reshoot some things in order to change the tone completely. Um, like I've never heard of that happening in the past. And so it's like, we clearly know now that that doesn't really work well for like the end product. So, yeah, it's real hard. Like it's also real hard to know who to blame for it. Like, is it, you know, is it executives at Warner brothers? Is it executives at DC? The thing, the problem that I have, I I feel like it's gotta be DC because Mm -hmm. Warner brothers, like they, they did the Harry Potter movies. Those are dark as all get out by the end. Mm -hmm. Um, like they've never really strayed away from those kinds of movies or those kinds of themes. Um, it just seems like, you know, I don't know. Like, and it seems like, you know, Warner Brothers, they don't take control over big franchises um, for no, like, for no reason is what it seems like. Yeah. Um, because it seems like with Warner Brothers in particular, like, it's like you said with Harry Potter, it's like they haven't, they haven't, like, grabbed the reins of Harry Potter from, from that, that creative uh, team and they haven't grabbed the reins of any of their other like franchises and you think about like even on the dc side of things like a dc warner brothers animation side like they they really don't care at all about going you know dark or ridiculously outlandish with the animation side of things um you know batman ninja being uh, <laughs> a prime example of that oh, which type is an of amazing thing. movie it's uh just, yeah i mean yeah. i mean to- totally uh, like I, what I, and what I'm hoping that happens or, and is happening right now is that DC is realizing, oh, crap, or whoever, whoever, like, the, man, we actually had a good thing going for us. And because we also heard uh, this, uh, this today, I saw an article, I forgot to throw this in there. Um, Henry Cavill has signed back on to star as Superman mm-hmm. in future DC movies, which means they'll be in the same universe. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean uh, there was no like Man of Steel sequel confirmed, but he will pre- be 
he will be Superman, that role, in a unnamed number of future movies. Yeah. Which, like, it just feels like to me, like, they, they, they tried to, like, <laughs> they tried to back away from the universe they were creating, sure. and then they were like, oh, crap, that didn't work real well. So now they're like, okay, well, let's just keep doing it. Which, honestly, is just, I mean, for me, it's the better decision. It's, it's like, even, we all know, like, there, how many Batman movies, bro, have there been? So many. Like, live-action Batman movies. We know it's not the last Batman movie we'll ever have, so just make whatever you want to make. Right. And well, we'll, I mean, well, what's the next one, too? And I remember, like, you know, the, the characters that we've seen for the first time in live action. I think those are the ones that... Like that, Suicide Squad. Like, yeah, like Suicide Squad and even, like, Wonder Woman. Obviously, there was, like, live action movies and a, a TV show and stuff like that. Wonder Woman before, so it's, like, it's less of a big, big deal. But, like, one bad Batman, for instance. Like, obviously, fans, like, react terribly and, like, you know, whatever uh, to Batfleck, you know, whenever he was announced to be Batman and, and you know, all of those things. Yeah, but, like, largely, he got good reviews whenever it came out. Like, exactly. No one has a um, problem but, like, with him it, anymore. And even that, like, that's, even that was just like, oh, this is just another Batman, right? This is just yeah. another, like, it, there'll be another Batman in five, six years from now, and it, that's fine. And it seems like we're going to get that with, uh, with, uh, 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 what's his face? Um, oh my goodness. Oh, Robert Pattinson. Um, yeah. Um, and so anyway, so like we're going to get that with Batman. So with Wonder Woman, it's like, okay, this is like the, the first major movie, like blockbuster franchise, uh, Wonder Woman that we've had. So like, okay, that feels, feels like that means more, but like if it is successful, we're going to get another one, like, you know, 20 years from now, we're going to have like, hopefully lots of, of, uh, of Wonder Woman movies and lots of live action Wonder Woman movies. Um, same goes for Suicide Squad and like Harley Quinn and stuff. It was like, hopefully these things get so like, because they're great franchises, because they're great stories, because they have really good, uh, lore and and things behind them like they're hopefully going to be out there and just 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 put it out like just who cares if there's like one really dark suicide squad movie and the next one you change the tone completely you know it's like that's fine you know let's let's just do that um because it hopefully if the characters are good and and the the if 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 which they are and the story is okay like a story like people like it then We'll have lots more of them. Like people will be yeah. invested enough to to have a ton more of those stories because that's that's the dream of any you know or, or I would say maybe not any but of most uh, fans of these franchises and most DC fans is like man just just put out a ton of these things because I will I will watch them all you know yeah I mean we've talked before about how if the, if the movie going market can support. More and more and more and more superhero movies, which we still have. I mean, that's that still remains to be seen. I don't, you know, who sure. knows? Like, there's. I think one of the things that make makes things like um, or movies like uh, Suicide Squad sometimes feel like a failure, even though it didn't make a lot of money, but still like feel like a failure or something like let's say Solo, which was a great movie, mm-hmm. um, feel like a failure. Is that? I mean, it didn't make a ton of money, but like you look at the other things that are out at the same time and what it's up against mm-hmm. like you gotta understand it's like you can't look at the box office as a terrible um <laughs> indicator in my opinion of whether this is a good movie or whether yeah. and even if people like this movie sure um because sometimes dude i feel like like people actually like uh movies and don't necessarily either go to the theater or review it, you know, like yeah. you, you look at, you know, 
uh, fan consensus on Rotten Tomatoes, and like, it's I mean, all over entire, the place. But there's entire campaigns, entire campaigns of downvoting some yeah. movies, and like, and until that is just something that is is not in the culture of uh, of of the internet, then then and that's the problem. It's the internet, you know. And you're never going to get to that point. Yeah. Like because you, yeah, I mean, it's just like the internet mob is after you at that right. point, and that and that. I mean, anyway, I mean, I guess my my point with all that is is like. Uh, I think the thing, the piece that they should have taken from Marvel's playbook, if they were going to take anything, mm-hmm. if they're going to take something from it, is like just put out good movies, mm-hmm. focus on this one movie, and tie, you can tie it in. Like yeah. just use, like no one's going to argue with you on that. No one like that doesn't offend people. But you can't jump the gun and put the cart before the horse and try to like create this world out of out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, at the same time as putting out crappy movies like yeah you just can't like if and you think yeah. about like so i you know comparing it to the marvel universe like a tone shift uh thor major tone shift in that franchise totally and so like you know a tone shift with suicide squad on the second or third movie like sure it's a hard task like that's gonna be it's gonna be difficult to like make those things feel consistent with each other but like there are filmmakers who are clearly there are filmmakers who are up for the task like taiko atiti like totally up for the task of like let's make uh thor you know funny let's let's make it yeah. like let's make it a comedy uh a road trip kind of comedy um and so it's like and it worked it worked beautifully um right. obviously like that team is like you know uh, fantastic and uh taiko tt in particular like fantastic and so like you just have to have the quality person doing that transition but like it's possible and uh but the fact that like we had kind of this like i said frankenstein's monster of a uh, of a first movie it feels like that might cause a second movie just not to happen in at all whereas if it had this like consistent tone if if it felt like oh that was a little dark but okay you know i'm, I'm up for it and then the, the next marketing is like oh this is bright and colorful i'm in for well, that uh, well yeah and that's the thing though like so i mean uh i mean suicide squad 2 has already been shot it's done and it's Directed by James Gunn. There it like, is. They, they went. They went the the way that they decided to go. Yeah. After the fact, but again, like you know, to what we're both saying, like you could have put out that darker mm-hmm. Suicide Squad, and then still put out this version. Like, there's sure. no reason. Sure. Anyway, like I hope that I hope that um, a Snyder's version of Justice League is, lives up to the hype um, that we want it to live up to. Um, and yeah. like if the, if the, I mean, I don't know, dude, like you just, it seems like the actors are on board. The actors are like pumped about it. Like they were pumped about it the first time. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's funny. Like it's gotta be funny because it's not only like David Ayer, you know, like he referenced, uh, Jared Leto. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm sure it sucks to be Jared Leto. Be like, yeah, all my stuff was cut from this movie. Um, it probably sucks for everyone involved in, uh, in uh, Justice League to be like, yeah, half of my our stuff was cut from this movie that was mm-hmm. cool and that I enjoyed. I mean, and that, like, dude, uh, one of the pieces of this whole transition that we haven't talked about in a while is the fact, yeah, like, Ben Affleck was Batman, but he was also supposed to direct a Batman movie. Yeah. And yeah. if he saw what happens to A, David Ayer, and then B, 
uh, Zack Snyder, mm -hmm. why in the world would he want to direct a movie at that point? Sure. I mean, like I mentioned, like last week, whenever we were talking about it, his his uh, one of one of the, his friends or whatever asked him, like, oh, you know, what, what's up with that? Why aren't you going to do it? And, and he said that he's like, I don't think my liver could take me uh, doing another another uh, Batman movie or directing the Batman movie. Yeah. And uh, and it's like. That would that would lend you know it's like that's oh, super stressful it's super like and, and if at the end of well, the day and, and you don't you even to, get to, tell, to tell the story you wanted to tell I don't right know. you have to infer like what's going to make that stressful and I right. think probably working with the studio is going to make that stressful yeah yeah uh, especially whenever you talk to like Joss Whedon about working with Marvel yeah and like he's the exception to the rule in the Marvel universe everyone else reportedly like no one else has had. Like yeah. at least open problems with the studio, right? Well, and I think um, like that was he also was like early on, like was doing something. You know, the Avengers movie, Avengers one, like that was something that nobody had really done before. Um, yeah, and so doing that and then turning around and doing the second one also, it's like ooh, there was there's just a lot. There's a lot of moving parts there to build to and to pay off arcs that are multiple movies for multiple characters. So I think it. it yeah, it was a hard well, task his, at the time. His felt like a well, and and his problem with the studio felt like a different. It's a, a different issue entirely. Where it's like, it's yeah. what it sounds like, and what he actually said was like, they wouldn't. They basically wouldn't let him complete his entire vision. It's not like he shot these things and they took it out. It's like they wouldn't let him shoot things. Yeah, but like it, the problem there is like he was never. He never got the studio on board with his vision. His vision was just bigger than theirs. And like at the end of the day, yep. who's going to win out? It's going to be the people who are who are funding it. Yeah, and then you know it's it's hard to hard to market a three or four hour long movie. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so yeah, I mean, I hope this is all great. I mean, I'd love if you know all of a sudden you know they were able to get Ben Affleck back to to direct a Batman movie. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where this goes. I didn't. I honestly thought. You know, Henry Cavill was going to be done with Superman um, mm. after this, and uh, but apparently not. We'll see. We'll see, dude. I, and especially with with having the outlet to put out these types of things, where like these new edits or these new um, totally, you know, new things with the HBO Max thing. Hopefully that uh, because that would incentivize me to to subscribe. It really oh, would. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm going to subscribe for the Snyder things. cut. Oh, for dude, hundred percent. Sure. I mean, I I don't know. I know very very few people who who wouldn't. You know, it's like oh man, yeah. nice. even just to watch the train wreck happen. You know, it's like even yeah. if the, even if it comes out and it's terrible, it's like well at least we get you get to watch this thing finally. You know, this four hour long, uh, potentially multi episode thing that that they're talking about. So, yeah, uh, I think that's the news. That is the news. All right, John. So, we're going to talk briefly about uh, our Call of Duty Warzone experience. And so, uh, I don't really, like, are they calling this, like, is there is there a tag phrase for what this is called, what this is? That's a good question. This is, it's Bunker 11, correct? Bunker 11, yes. All right, so we're talking about Bunker 11. So, um, some backstory. So, um, I'm going to kind of just back up here for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about. Call of Duty Warzone is the Battle Royale 150 player uh, team based game mode in the current Call of Duty Modern Warfare game. And uh, all around the map, there have been kind of like these random um, teases that there was something bigger going on with this map. So there's like closed bunkers, and sometimes um, you encounter like random. 
buttons you can push and right. phones that like I was here phones ring but like I never like nothing would ever you couldn't interact with them back then right um, and then certain phones that you could interact with it was like they, wouldn't they just do wouldn't do anything yeah and but you, you know you walk up to it and it's like hey press x and it's like okay i don't know what this does this does nothing um and so kind of like fortnite you know fortnite gradually has you know started like okay they would tease something or they would be these like hidden kind of um objectives or things to do inside the game world um much like that uh, all of a sudden, with the latest update two weeks ago now, yep, um, there was. And I don't even know how people found this out. Did they? Did they announce it? No, or they people, didn't, just, they, people it out? were just getting key cards in their inventory. Basically, like they would find them in boxes. Key cards? Yeah, like there's like red key cards, and there's red, you know, these these, oh, these small little yeah, things. Yeah. And it'd be like, okay, well, what does this open? And so there's, it, yeah. And there's be, key cards. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. And then these bunkers around the map would yeah. be inaccessible still. But it's like people were like, oh, I wonder if this key card would open that bunker. And then at one point, like like you said, like two weeks ago, like the there were these little red lights on the top of the bunkers that just turned on. And they were the people were able to access like if they got a red key card, they could access like a certain specific one of these mini bunkers around the map. Um, but then there was they determined there was one bunker like through the through the course of like finding all of the key cards and like trying all of the different doors <laughs> with those said key cards. They found out there's one specific bunker did not have a key card. Yeah, so that's bunker eleven, and that's what we're talking about today. <laughs> uh, so inside bunker eleven. Uh, is a specific um, bl weapon blueprint for an MP7. Which, it was really cool. I mean, it's just like a, it's a great blueprint. Um, looks really cool. And uh, the only way in was to complete a series of tasks. And so you parachute in, and there's a series of um, starter phones. So there's phones in these buildings on the map. And you go up, and you like, if you find the right one in Russian, someone speaks to you. And uh, gives you a series of numbers in Russian, and I don't even know how they figured out what what other than trial and error, I guess, yeah. what order these like how to number these other phones. But yeah. the, the there's a sec whole second tier of phones that are numbered, and they correspond to the numbers that you are given in the uh, in the recording. So once you do that first phone, then you go to the second phone, and not all like I guess you could technically if you didn't understand the the Russian, you could, the, in Morse code, it gives you the code for the next, like the number for the next phone as well. Um, but it's so fast that, like, I don't even know if I could have figured it out. Like, yeah. I'd have to, like, be a Morse code expert, man. Right. To be able to, like, catch it, how fast it is. Um, and so you go through to, and in sequence, answer three more phones. And then you can go and put the code on the bunker 11. It's up in the north of the map. And then get in there and and get the uh, the MP7, hopefully without getting shot right. by everyone camping the bunker. Yeah, all of these is in a public match. It's like it, yeah, it, and it was it, so. First of all, just in general, getting all of this done in the time limit. So like getting fighting off people on these phones to get to do this all done in the time limit was a problem because we uh, we actually like did it one like right before we actually like completed it. We did it, but we didn't get there in time. We got there, and it was like the match was going to end. We like opened the door. The door was slowly opening, and it, the match was over. So like, it just just getting it done in the right amount of time was uh, was a challenge. Um, let alone doing it and then fighting off like people were were using uh, these 
like precision airstrikes and things like that on the door of the bunker. Like after you hit, enter the key, if somebody were to take you out, they could then run down there and get it. Um, it's just the first person to that gun, like gets the blueprint or whatever. Um, so yeah, it was, it, that was, it was intense, man. It was a super fun time doing it. Uh, we pre-gamed it a lot too. What? We what pre-gamed mean? it a lot. Like, as in like, we were like in a group text and we were like texting each other, like, could we do this strategy? Oh yeah. What about this thing? Like, how do we do this? And so like, we ended up, uh, you know, coming up with a plan of like, everybody drops at a different phone to start off with. Cause if you didn't get the right phone to start off with, like you were out of luck. And so totally. like just trying one phone every match was like, okay, that's not going to work. So four people drop in different spots and uh, whoever has it would then relay like that information, whatever they could find to the people. So what ended up happening is I found the phone the last time. And uh, what was really funny was somebody came in the building to try to go to the phone as well. And uh, I'd thrown out like a, uh, a, a, a landmine the, uh, and, and like they had shot me, downed me, and then my landmine had gotten them. And so it was like, okay, well, uh, now neither of us can do this. Um, and so uh, Aaron, um, we were also playing, he's been on the podcast before, um, he came in to revive me as well as like then we stood there and we got the information on the phone and sent you and another uh, another team member uh to to different places to try to get like the next two phones um and then subsequently uh aaron and i then joined up with whoever was was you know doing whatever on the third phone i suppose whenever that happened and then at the end of the day we all just converged on the uh on the 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 bunker i thought for a minute there we weren't going to get it because like we were all so far away and we were encountering heavy heavy resistance from enemies well i mean because the only the only way to do it yeah is, is what you just described um uh everyone landing in different spots hitting different phones and kind of like doing it on your own and then joining together there at the at the bunker. Like that's really the only way to do it fast enough because even we were in Plunder, which is a different uh, game mode within the Call of Duty Battle Royale that um, allows you to travel all over the map for the whole thing because the circle yeah. doesn't close. And honestly, I mean, if that map, I mean, I think it caps out at a half hour is the the match time limit on there. So like if no one hits the 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 max uh, point score, like you could just stay in there for 30 minutes potentially. Yeah. Um, we didn't. Like most of the time people like win that ma- that uh, mode within, you know, 10, 15 minutes, something like that. Right. Uh, and so a couple of them went, really just went too fast. Like we just didn't have time to actually like perform the, the necessary tasks. Um, but the only way you can do it, even like, even if you have 15 minutes, is to split up, you know, keep, keep trying to, you know, uh, if you get killed, keep trying to uh, go for the objectives um, yeah. and just kind of like basically brute force your way through them. It just takes time and dedication and just trying it again and again and again. We did it probably on the, what do you think, fourth try? I, I was thinking fourth or fifth. Yeah, I mean, like it, it wasn't long, but it was it was a situation where we had already thought about this and talked about it. And like oh, totally. All of us and had already, and like, found all the phones. And, right. 
You like have to we, know where you're going. We really had scouted the whole thing out before we actually tried it, before we actually made attempts at it, um, which was the really funny thing. That's the part of it that felt very much like a uh, uh, a Call of Duty Zombies thing, where it was just like, get in there, you figure out the the routes you're going to have to take, and then go, all right, well, is we ready to do this now? Are we ready to find out, like, are we, are we all here? Okay, we're all, we're all good. Everybody's got a drink, you know, that sort of thing. And then we just roll on. Um, yeah. and it was, it was a good time, dude. That gun is, is, is great. Um, I am interested to see like how this evolves going forward. Um, something we've wondered before, but the, the Activision has actually addressed is how is this game going to interface whenever the next call of duty comes out? And the answer is that it will survive and that it will be updated with, uh, with the theming or some of the elements of, uh, whatever the, the, the yearly call of duty is, um, let me see if I can find the, the quote uh, from the, the developer. There we go. So this is uh, Taylor Kurosaki uh, from Infinity War talking about how uh, Warzone could be interfaced with Vietnam Call of Duty, which is the rumored next Call of Duty, which is 2020's uh, Call of Duty. Um, and so let me see. Quote, we're kind of in uncharted territories here. Call of Duty has always been a very regular cadence for many, many years. And Warzone has made us rethink exactly how best to release new content and how to integrate it. Call of Duty is a genre in itself. There are different branches of the Call of Duty tree, but they're all connected in some ways. Warzone will be the through line that connects all of the different various sub-franchises of Call of Duty. It's going to be interesting to see how the different sub-franchises sort of come in and out of focus, but Warzone will be the one constant. So that's uh, it's fascinating to think about the whatever the Treyarch's Call of Duty will be, what kind of elements they'll pull in from that Call of Duty into Warzone, potentially. Yeah. the It'll be interesting to see how they do it and how they deliver it, and this is what I mean by that. Um Currently, Warzone exists inside of Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Right, and it's a it's a free download, so you don't have to buy the game in order to like to play it. But you do have to download the game. Um, at some point, it either needs to separate out from Modern Warfare, mm. or the delivery of any subsequent campaigns start getting delivered inside that game as well. And we've even seen, like, you know, we, we saw between season, or, yeah, uh, not season, um, what is the new, yeah, season one and two, the, the newest thing of, uh, what are they calling it, of Fortnite. Um, oh, chapter. Uh, chapter, yeah. yeah. We, we saw between chapter one and two within the same game, within the same, like, you know, you had to re-download a patch or whatever, but they even updated engines inside yeah. like between chapter one and chapter two so That's like right. i mean theoretically dude like I th uh, you could all of a sudden like kind of like take the the campaign side of that this game like separate it out warzone becomes this own thing and then the new campaign ends up in there or maybe like they all just like they just change the name on the download mm. and and the and some of the assets yeah. and there's Hey, there's the new campaign sitting in there. And this is just a constant download that you just like continually update with each new iteration. Yeah. Either well, that or like you think like uh, if, you know, maybe Warzone is, it's kind of like how multiplayer is in every game. Maybe Warzone is in every game. But at that point you have to, you have to 
turn one off and turn the other one back on, you would think. Right. Well, and then you're talking about like double the textures and double the assets and things like that within. Uh, so like, that's the thing that baffles me. Like if you're not loading into this specific download for whatever the Warzone after 2020's Call of Duty releases, like, so the, uh, the, the Treyarch's Call of Duty, if you're not loading into this, uh, like a separate app, like if it's, if it's within this app or it's also, um, or potentially like Warzone is, is like, is now the Black Ops app and this app, the assets are going to be completely different between those two games. Um, and so you're gonna have to download like it's gonna be twice the size i guess and with each subsequent call of duty potentially it you know quadruples in size from where it's at now today which is already like a hundred and change gigs um yeah yeah, dude that's that's a fascinating thought of like how will they implement this yeah the other thing that I, i keep thinking about is i like the current map but if we have to play the same map for a whole nother year, it's going to get old. Oh, sure. So, like, it either needs to change in some way or, like, maybe, like, with the new with the new release, they release a second map. Mm. Um, like, something, some kind of very, I mean, we just can't keep, you know, say that we, you know, this is popular for the next five years or something like that. Like, right, we just right. can't, we can't, we can't play the same, 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 same map for the next right. five years. Well, I think about, like, uh Fortnite, where they would update the different, like basically drastically change the map from season to season, or sometimes mid season even. Yeah. Um, but then you think about Apex, which did a different tactic, which was like, okay, well, let's gonna we're gonna retire that first map for a minute, because um, they made some like small minor changes to it. But then they like then they retired it and put it put you into this brand new map. And then now this season you're back to the old map, but now it's drastically different than it was before. Um, which and do you, I mean, like which do you prefer having? played like both i i i played a lot of apex early on but i haven't yeah. played really any of the the new stuff it shakes it up to change the map completely it shakes up the flow it shakes up the the way that you, mean you doing think a about it different map yeah like just just completely different because like with with fortnite it was like they would bear like they would change the the biomes and like stretch their borders and things like that but like there was always still like certain staples where it's like oh let's drop in the city let's drop over here in the in the farmland yeah. and you know it was just like it wouldn't change the, the geometry experience. Like yeah. where you're thinking like, okay, well, this area is always kind of this type of a thing. This area is always this type of thing. And this is next to that. And this is next to that. Whereas like if like whenever I changed the map completely in Apex, it was like I had to just completely relearn everything. And everybody yeah. did. And it kind of put everybody on this like level footing. And I think that in a similar way, going from chapter one of Fortnite to chapter two in Fortnite was very much that. Like where it's like, oh, now this is completely different than it was before. Yeah. Like we don't have the uh, the 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 same biomes that are right next to each other and, and will, you know, change drastically but sort of also not at the same time this is just a new map and uh and i think about that is probably for this game i feel like that isn't necessary right now but might Hmm. be necessary by november like whenever the next call of duty comes out i feel like it it will be necessary to somewhat hit the reset button here um in in the short term i would just like to see some variation in this map yeah, we'll see what they do. Yeah, I don't. Th- yeah, I, I agree. I don't think we need a brand new map yet. I do like. They have to do something to shake it up, and and I only say that because like right now it does kind of feel even with like 
the way that the contracts are laid out, it feels pretty similar where we're like dropping the same two or three places every single time, which would which you would happen in favorites. Fortnite as well. Yeah. And and um and so it's like that's great and all, but if you can if you can create like I loved what this event did because it created different hotspots than were mm, than existed mm-hmm. before. So where like for instance like the, one of the f- starter phones is at the dam, and uh, while we would go get, get the you know a lot of times we'd go to the dam and like we'd be the only ones there. Now like you're pretty much like guaranteed to have someone there. Oh yeah, yeah. and um, and if the the match goes on for long, like you're gonna have people up in the north of the map up north of the uh, the military base where you wouldn't normally have people you right. know, in the past. Well, honestly, so there was, there I was like some that areas kind of that I found myself in that I'd never been in before. <laughs> oh, totally. I mean, there's like, yeah, there's like some random construction sites that were like, man, I've never been here before. Uh, and so like if they can, you know, influence the map in those ways where it's like, okay, like we're going to change the way the heat map looks. Like the, the mm-hmm. my biggest criticism, and I think we talked about a little bit one time, was just like, there's way too many open spaces with nothing in them on this map. Sure, yeah. Um, where it's just like wide swaths of the map are just like way out in the open. And and I don't need like buildings and all of it, but just give us something mm-hmm. to where yeah. it doesn't feel like we're, we're – it's basically a no man's land where there's no reason to be up there. There's no reason to go across it. There's no reason to look for anything. There's no objectives there. It's just like it's just wasted space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and the other thing about, like, the rumors of, like, in the community of, like, what could happen next? And, you know, somehow they always get, like, super outlandish. And I don't know how much they'll pay off in the Call of Duty game. But people are talking about in the bunker, the bunker 11 that we went into, if you keep going back beyond where you pick up those weapons, there is a, uh, a, a, a nuclear missile. Yeah. And so the next Call of Duty is rumored to be, like, a Cold War Call of Duty. Um and uh, and so potentially it's like well well maybe does it tie in by we set off a, a nuclear bomb in this whole like map and change it that way pull a Fortnite season one or whatever it was um, and just blow up the entire map and see uh, see what changes about it um, the other thing that Treyarch is known for is zombies and so can you integrate zombies somehow into this map or this game mode um, which they did sort of with blackout but um i don't know man it's there's lots of things that they can do in small increments that by way by the time we get around to the next uh big call of duty release in, in october um which i'm assuming because that's whenever they always release um <laughs> this year though who knows when when things will happen chris right. um but then like by the time we get there potentially we've changed the map drastically to where it's like it doesn't feel odd that it's like there's zombies running around here or that like we've set off a nuclear yeah. bomb somewhere. Which I don't know that I, I don't know that I want. Like that's the thing that like that kind of also baffles me where I mean we are we already they already had this isn't the first battle royale, you know. Sure. Blackout's the first battle royale that they had. And they you know kept that that, that stayed behind that specific game's walls and behind a paywall. Oh yeah. I mean, that's the thing, like, that's the, that's the element here that they haven't had before is that they see now, like Activision is all about making money 
And uh, they see now that this model makes money, but also is a good advertisement for the various campaigns. Because, like, I wouldn't have purchased this game unless I had gotten into Warzone first. Now Mm. I've purchased this game and play in the multiplayer a lot. And, uh, and I love it. I haven't dipped into the campaign yet, but it's like, I'm, I have the multiplayer suite and I'm loving it. So it can be a major advertisement for the pay, like the full game, the full pay for game. And so I feel like they want that to continue. So along the lines of like, where we were talking about, like whenever you first were talking to a, about this, where it's like, okay, will they build this out into, another game will it live in black ops basically or will black ops live in this somehow and i feel like that's very likely because they want it to be as few hurdles as possible to purchase the current call of duty full game to get me to upgrade from the battle royale war zone to the paid full current online multiplayer suite yeah it'll be crazy i mean i, I i'm hoping like Usually by now, we've had some kind of like announcement from from Activision on the next Call of Duty. Sure, like ahead, a big event usually, too, right? Usually. Well, usually the no. I mean, I think like uh, Modern Warfare got a, they basically just dropped a trailer online, but they dropped it. They always drop it before E3 hmm. because then you see like in Sony's conference, you see like an actual like gameplay right. play trailer and and the hype trailer. Um, and so I'm hoping. We, that we start seeing something soon and maybe they kind of start rolling out their plan. Season four is about to start now. It'd be cool if like, uh, there was some kind of lead up to the next game with season four of Warzone. Cause I mean, Warzone, this is my, this is my other problem. Like that I have my head, I have, you know, like with the concept of bringing things in and out of Warzone is like, if they're going back to the Vietnam war with the next game, does that mean all of our weapons change? Mm. Does that mean, like, I mean, at that point, do you have the same kind of, like, recon thing? Like, I don't know. Like, what, what, how far do they go with that and, like, what actually wow. changes? Because, like, I mean, I would hate to lose all of our guns, um, all of the, the, uh, those, I mean, hopefully we're not losing skins. Like, yeah, I mean, it's it just, is like, very loadout based. And, the, yeah, and the skins. Oh, man, dude, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the, what that what that looks like, and I'm sure they're thinking about this stuff too. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the, like, they're thinking the, about it from in terms of like, though, how can we get people to buy things? And we're thinking yeah, of it in terms true. of like, I don't want to lose things. Yeah. I mean, Fortnite never had that problem because you didn't have loadouts, and all your skins always like translated, right, and transferred over. Yeah, I'm even trying with, to th- even with the major updates. I'm trying to think of, like, the closest thing I can think of to losing your guns would be between, like, um, one of the seasons or updates of Destiny 1 or 2. I can't even remember now. Like, all of the guns, like, Tier 1 guns. It was Destiny 1. Like, all the Year 1 guns, every single year they would update the game, and the Year 1 guns were basically irrelevant after That's Year 1. That's right. Your two guns were irrelevant after year two. Uh, do you and then, know who and published then, that game, Chris? I know, Activision. <laughs> but then, but this is the thing that by the time we got to Destiny 2, like they realized, oh, people hate that. Yeah. And you were able to basically level up your guns if yeah. you cho- chose to. Even by, I think, the season three 
a regular Destiny because you like they, you, it would take a lot of work, but you could get your favorite guns back up to level. Right. Yeah. What I what I don't want to have happen here is like we lose everything. Yeah. Oof. You know. Oof. I mean, or even then, like then think about. If they do introduce new weapons, like because like they will in a in a Treyarch Call of Duty, they definitely yeah, will have their own weapons, and it's gonna be quite a bit different feel. I mean, obviously you have different development teams working on these things. Like Treyarch doesn't all of a sudden just take over for Infinity Ward because obviously the the head like this is like the head of Warzone uh, from Infinity Ward talking here, and he's like, well, you know, we're gonna be pulling elements from that thing, but at the same time, it's like if you're pulling weapons over you're going to just at some point run into a balancing nightmare. Like just weapon balance will be just terrible. If you have even twice the amount of guns that they have in that thing. now. Well, I also wonder like, okay, think about, I mean, all the different methods of building classes and loadouts that we've had in the past. Like there's been a card system and there's been like, um, you know, where, uh, you only get like right now it's like you only get so many attachments, but then like uh, sometimes it's like you're limited to, if you have certain attachments, you can't have these perks and like, right. I don't like know, it's weird 10. things. Yeah. And I don't know, dude, like we'll see. I'm interested. I'm interested. Yeah. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be happening. I'm not going to be negative before it happens. Right. But I hope that they like, are at least a little bit thoughtful in the way that they handle that. Yeah does seem like there's quite a few challenges and there's quite a lot of things that they will will want to explain before it happens. And yeah. so hopefully why, by whatever announcement they have, hopefully they tease like, oh, and then we're going to talk about what happens with Warzone on this date or at a later date or like so that at least they, they tell us, hey, we're going to tell you what's going to happen with this thing um, eventually. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... I don't know if we've done this in a while. Let's let's rate Warzone oh. as it stands with the current like uh, event and season. Well, if you were going to rank this game, where would you put it? Oof. So just Warzone, just the just Warzone, just the. the have you played any of the rest of besides multiplayer? Have you played the campaign? Or I anything? haven't played the campaign. No. Okay. Um, yeah, just just Warzone. Okay, so just Warzone. As a battle royale, I would rate it probably a eight point five. Really, man, yeah. I put this at a nine point five. I mean, dude. it's it, it's, uh, it's potentially a nine. It's just like you know some of the things that that we've talked about, where it's like, okay, well, at this point, I want to see I want to see some change in the map. Like, we've had this event. I would like to see some things shift and that sort of thing. And it's not, I don't know how quote unquote live this game is. Um, this is the first or the second full season that we've had Warzone, and between the first and the second season, not a lot changed. Um, this is the first time we've seen any kind of dynamic thing. So that's kind of why it's a little bit lower than, like if you just rate like the core gameplay of it, yeah, sure, like 9 or 9.5, but like just the fact that like we haven't up- seen as many updates as even Apex did uh, to, to Apex Legends um, between the different seasons and still continue to do between the different seasons, so. Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know. Like, it's, I just, like, for, for me, it's more like I have stayed engaged with this because I think it's more fun than and more approachable. I mean, I'm winning way more in this game than I have in any other Battle Royale. Sure. Um, and 
you know, fun. To, uh, winning doesn't equate to fun, but it sure helps. And yeah, it sure helps. And, and, and there's the element of like, okay, well, if, if anybody can win, then anything can happen. It, whereas yeah. with Fortnite, it's like, well, if you can't build, you can't win. Yeah. And it's like, well, not anything can happen then. Um, well, and even like, you know, the thing about, for, I mean, Fortnite's great, but like the gun, like the gunplay doesn't really feel that great. Correct. Um, yeah. You know, as a shooter, it, it would not survive as a shooter. Apex would sure survive as a shooter. Yeah. But like, and I will say, like, to I, me, it's I, a little I more inaccessible like Apex than this. Is, Apex is tighter than Warzone, but Warzone has this level of like of jankiness that is also like introduces this un uh, unlimited level of fun. Like where we were rolling in a Jeep the other day, all four of us um, rolling around. Well, let's cross over this bridge, and then a, a mine goes off and and takes all of us out. Right after I had just been joking around about like, hey, what if somebody shot a rocket at us right now? Because yeah. like we're we're doing super well, and then that happened, and it was like, oh my goodness, this is uh, like that that type of thing doesn't happen in Apex, right? And that's the level of like this unknown quantity of like anything can happen. Like you could be doing the best game of your life. And then a random rogue rocket just takes you over a random, uh, landmine that somebody just like happens to put down on the ground as they cross this bridge haphazardly. Like no rhyme or reason. Why did I just throw that down? I had an extra one. Maybe I just threw it there, you know, just, yeah. And it takes out four people later on. And it's like, Oh my goodness. That's well, just the, hilarious. Like the thing is, like, yeah, it's a good point because you know, thinking about back with my time with Apex, like, I mean, I got bored of it real fast just because it didn't feel like there was anything different or anything like that. Like it, from sure. match to match, it didn't feel like we were creating those kinds of stories along yeah. the way. Yeah. To where like things felt drastically different and anything could happen. It just felt, you know, uh, it's pure much, skill. Yeah, which I mean, I'm not saying that like I can't. I can't, I'm not, you know, challenged by that or I can't play in that kind of arena or, you know, that kind of thing. It's just like, that's just not the, that's not something that makes me, keeps me coming back every yeah, you single don't, night. You don't laugh as much whenever, uh, right. whenever it's pure skill. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, all right. So, um, well, that's, uh, that's our take on the new Warzone stuff. We, yeah, this is, uh, we, we said something about this being a short episode and it ended up being a 90 minute episode. So. True. Our apologies. Um, but, uh, obviously yeah. they knew that they were getting into a 90 minute episode whenever they clicked on the episode though. That's, that's true. We had a little um, bit of everything, man. We had a little bit of video gaming. We had a little bit of movies. We had a little bit of, uh, of a, you know, studio discussion. We had the, the gaming. I mean, I, we had everything, man. That's true. All right. Uh, next week, I'm not sure what we're talking about, but we'll talk about something and we'll be here. You can find us online at standtargetpodcast.com on social at ChrisTrack250. And John Wright, 777. And at Target Pod, please go to your podcast service of choice, review us, tell your friends about us. We really appreciate it. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time on Stay, Stay on Target. Target.